This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. After more than three and a half decades in prison, Dr. Matulu Shakur has been granted freedom by the U.S. Parole Board. The Black Liberation Elder was denied parole 10 times before, in spite of clearly not posing any sort of threat to the public, but now the 72-year-old stepfather of hip-hop legend Tupac Shakur is suffering from stage 4 bone marrow cancer with a grim prognosis. Activists involved in helping to secure his freedom are preparing to bring him to Los Angeles for medical treatment and to be with family. We turn now to Ife Jai, hip-hop artist, scholar and activist based in LA. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us more about who Dr. Matulu Shakur is, aside from being stepfather to Tupac Shakur. Um, what was what has his role been and why has he spent 36 years in prison? Yes, yeah, so Dr. Matulu Shakur is a powerful, powerful, powerful living legend that we are blessed to be able to welcome home. So I start to begin, I like to begin first by how he got his doctor title. Dr. Matulu Shakur is an acupuncturist by trade. He was able to be a part of a very, very avant-garde movement of using acupuncture in the inner cities of Harlem, New York. And he was trained in uh, Asia and was properly uh, fortified to be able to come back into the community and opened up a clinic called the Lincoln Detox Center. And this was a very powerful, powerful, powerful position to be in because at the time, our communities were being ravished by drug abuse and drug addiction and many addictions that afflict African-American people in general, like diabetes, heart disease, and things of that nature. And Dr. Matulu, first and foremost, was a healer. He was able to create a space to heal our community and to use it with homeopathic methods through acupuncture. So that was a big deal because that allowed him to be able to tap in to another element of our liberation and our freedom through health and wellness. And then in addition to that, he was a member of the Black Liberation Army and he was a very, very proud soldier. And he believed in several things in terms of our liberation. And he made dedication uh, to that through his life and his sacrifices. And so a part of this incarceration was not only because of him being a threat because of his medical abilities and the role that he played in our community as a healer, but it was also because of his political beliefs. And he was uh, uh, cited for six counts of, uh, of charges, one of which was the liberation of Asada Shakur. Another was a charge that he was given in terms of uh, funding liberations in, uh, in Africa. And he was also charged with a, a robbery, none of which was he ever seen, involved, or a part of. Uh, many of us believe that he is the true definition of a political prisoner, that many of his uh, citations and indictments were because of who he was in our community and what he represented and what he believed in. And so now we are able to welcome him back and all of the essence that he brings back into the community. But Dr. Matula Shakur is absolutely a political activist. And most importantly, he is a healer and he has always been dedicated to our liberation. Why was he denied parole 
so many times. And, and it should be uh, uh, stressed that he has been a federal prisoner, right? The majority of, yes. of, of people incarcerated in the United States today are incarcerated, are kept in state prisons. Um, yes. And then there is a smaller, much smaller number in federal prisons. So this is the U.S. federal government that has kept him behind bars. Why was he denied so many times? As I mentioned, Matulu is a political activist and Matulu has always been dedicated to our liberation. And so much of his... Um, efforts have been seen as a threat to the powers that be. And unfortunately, he was up for parole several times by the legal standings of how he initially was incarcerated. He should have been automatically eligible for parole several years ago, but they have always found excuses and reasons to deny his parole. Uh, the thing that I think that is important to note is that people uh, in power saw him as a threat. They see him as a threat. And it wasn't until he was literally on his deathbed that they decided to give him compassionate medical release. So a part of why he's been denied parole so many times is for, is for arbitrary things that they have made up. Uh, one of which I remember there was a time they denied him because of a phone call, because of a, a, a saying that he loves to, to spread when he's on the phone, straight ahead. And that's always his motto and his mantra when we're on the phone. And so sometimes, you know, they would create all types of ludicrous things to deny him for parole. But the ultimate sentiment is it's always been because the because of who he is and what he represents, the powers that be have saw him and had see him as a threat to our community. But the truth is, he is a wonderful asset. He is a crown jewel in our liberation struggle. And so no matter what, we have always continued to fight for his liberation. And we are so grateful that that day has come. So it sounds like he was kept behind bars, not because he represented any sort of risk to the public but because of the symbolic value of his freedom to black liberation movements? Absolutely. I think that's very well said. And there's so many different layers of that. When we talk about the history of COINTELPRO, when we talk about the history of what the FBI has done to undermine black liberation movements historically, from the times of Marcus Garvey to the times of the Black Panther Party and to the New African Liberation Movement, this has been a very real circumstance that many of us wrestle with accepting, but it is a very true part of our story. So what were his 36 years like? Uh, it's unimaginable for, for, some, you know, for those of us who have never um, been incarcerated to be in that position with no end in sight, to be in there indefinitely, you know, of course, because he had no idea when he would finally be released. Um, what, was, what were those 36 years like? How did he keep his spirit alive? Well, you would have to ask Matulu that himself. <laughs> But if I dare so speak for him, um, I've had the privilege of being able to see Matulu several times while incarcerated. And he is what he calls himself as a muddy water alligator. So he can survive in any condition under any circumstance. And his spirit is so strong. It is so powerful. When he walks into the room, you feel it immediately. And so I saw him be very disciplined in the way that he took care of himself. He was an avid runner. 
at one point and uh, was, was running every day. He took a very good care of his health and wellness. Um, he was a very disciplined man. I remember talking to him once about his spiritual uh, background. And he said that I am a Muslim because of the discipline and the regiment of being a Muslim. And so there was some, so many things that I'm sure that he did to keep himself occupied. One of the things that I appreciate that he was able to accomplish while he was incarcerated was a project called Dare to Struggle. And Dare to Struggle was a compilation album that he put together to honor his son, Tupac Shakur, after he had passed away. And Dare to Struggle was a wonderful CD that we put together and several artists were a part of it. And a fun fact that people may not know is that at one point, Dare to Struggle was touring around uh, the Southern part of the United States. And we were able to go to the uh, uh, album release party for a Better Days album that Tupac had put out. And at the Batter Days uh, concert, uh, we didn't know it then, but later we realized that a part of us that were representing on stage, one amongst us was Nipsey Hussle. So mm -hmm. Matulu was very instrumental yeah. and many hip hop artists uh, in their careers and not only Tupac, but Nipsey Hussle as well. I remember having uh, witnessed that moment of Matulu talking to Nipsey on the phone. And at the time he was a Nipsey Hussle. He was concept, the forever the ghetto's poet. He was at the very beginning of his career. But Matulu Shakur absolutely was instrumental in giving him a platform early in his career to be able to express himself and do his music. So Matulu has been able to accomplish so many things while incarcerated. Another piece that he's made that is very critical to our culture is a document that he calls Truth and Reconciliation. And Truth and Reconciliation is a process that's adopted from the South African apartheid and, and the, the process that they did to heal after apartheid was legally abolished. Now, many of us know that there's still remnants of uh, racism and segregation in many parts of the world, especially in South Africa. But the process of truth and reconciliation was something that Matulu felt that we should adopt here in the United States to be able to go through that same process and and in and, and, and response to the conditions of the African in America. So I think that was an awesome contribution that Matulu put a lot of energy in cultivating and creating while incarcerated. Tell me about the struggle on the outside to help win his parole. It takes a village, it takes an army, it takes a huge community of people, especially around political prisoners in the United States. You know, we think of Mumia Abu-Jamal or Lynette Peltier, and there are just masses of people who have worked tirelessly for decades to help free them. Um, and I imagine the same has been true for Dr. Matulu Shakur as well. Tell me about that struggle. Absolutely. So I, again, am humbling myself because I have the opportunity of speaking with you, but there are several people that can be in this seat. And many of them are members from an organization called the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement. They are the instrumental body of people that have pushed much of the efforts to get Matulu out of prison. And I know that they're is so much commitment, so much time, so much organizing, so much follow-up to be able to have that type of momentum. And so we wanna give a special shout out to the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement who has chapters all over the nation, uh, particularly a sister named Monifa, a sister named Taliba. Um, and I don't wanna miss anyone's name, a brother Lumumba, a brother Jomo, brother Watani Tahimba. These people have been on the ground daily, monthly, over the years, consistently, 
fighting this battle. We've signed petitions, we've held rallies, we've had concerts, we've had so many things to bring awareness to Matulu Shakur's case and to be able to get the public's opinion to be um, familiar with why it's important for him to be free. So that campaign has been going for years for years, for years, diligently and consistently. And the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement members have been absolutely spearheading the, those actions. And so we're, we're honored to be able to have such dedicated soldiers, such dedicated people, such dedication in general to all of our political prisoners. So uh, what is his prognosis right now? And in a few moments, we'll also uh, give our audience uh, information on how they can help in the, uh, you know, bringing him to Los Angeles, either financially or morally or both. But what is his prognosis? I mentioned he has stage four bone marrow cancer. That sounds, that sounds really awful. Yes. Well, his spirit is strong. His spirit is strong and his spirit is excited to be able to come to the other side, to be able to be with us, to be able to be with family and with community. And so although his body um, might be at a disadvantage, his spirit is 100% strong. And my belief personally, if I dare so say, is that Matulu has every means in his toolkit to be able to heal himself. He is a powerful master acupuncturist. And so we believe that although that his body is going through a change, that once we bring him home, we will be able to make sure that he has what he needs to be healed. And whether that's someone else facilitating his healing, him telling us how to heal him or him healing himself, we believe healing is absolutely there for him. And so, you know, there's been a process, but he has gotten to the last leg of that process and healing is absolutely the next step. What uh, is the current status right now? When is he expected to be freed? And tell me about his uh, expected journey to Los Angeles. Yes, so we're anticipating a release for December between the 15th and the 18th. I've heard several dates. Um, Matulu himself have, has told me that he has a bit of a window. And so we anticipate that he will be in Los Angeles no later than December 18th. And so we are raising funds right this very second so that we can accommodate his transportation. Because of his condition, we want to make him as comfortable as possible. And so that might mean um, being able to have medical transportation from a Kentucky's uh, prison in, uh, I forget, uh, I think it's in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, in order for him to get to California. We want him to have medical transportation to the airport, um, comfort while he is flying, and then obviously being able to have transportation from LAX to his physical home. So that's a part of the fundraising efforts. We anticipate that we should have everything together um, before his arrival, but December, between December 15th and December 18th, he will be home. And so tell me for our Southern California audience, uh, LA is where this program is based as well. Um, how can people participate? I understand there's an event that's been planned to welcome him. Yes. So first and foremost, we encourage every single person who is under the sound of my voice and listening and watching this program. If you are interested in supporting Matudu Shakur, please visit 
matuluShakur.com. That is the official hub to be able to get all of the donation information. We have tax deductible donations and we have donations just straight out the book. So if you are encouraged and inspired and want to support this effort, please visit matuluShakur.com. And if you're in Southern California, if you want to come and travel to the sunny place of LA, then we welcome you to be with us on December 10th. We will be in Lamert Park at Hot and Cool Cafe, and we are having a benefit concert. And we're so honored to have artists such as Alo Black, uh, Maya Jupiter. Uh, we have uh, some other local artists that are going to be a part of the event. And we're excited to be able to have a benefit concert to literally raise funds and to support this effort. So again, if you are interested in supporting, uh, please visit matulshakur.com. And if you're in LA, pull up on us. We would love to have you December 10th, Hot and Cool Cafe. Thank you so much for joining us, Ife. Good luck to you. My pleasure. And, and Thank to, you. of course, Dr. Shapur. Absolutely. Free to land. Thank you. My guest has been Ife Jai, hip-hop artist, scholar, and activist based in Los Angeles. And we've been discussing Dr. Matulu Shapur's uh, finally uh, getting parole, medical parole. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.